This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Morning, uh, my name is Ben McCosker. I'm a member of City Church here in Coventry. Uh, the very warmest of welcomes to you if you're joining us right now or, or later on. And thank you to everybody for uh, leading us in, in worship and prayer so well this morning. We've already met with God, uh, I do believe. Um, last week, uh, and Matthew touched upon it just then, we, we've heard about the we heard about the psalmist's journey of discovery in Psalms 42 and 43 as part of the Songs of Hope series that Matthew's been taking us through. And um, we heard these three things um, about part of um, the psalmist's discovery. And it was this, that he didn't have to be in the temple to meet with God. He didn't have to be in one place or another. And the temple of God is not restricted to one place. Those were three things Matthew hit upon in the psalmist's journey of discovery. He didn't have to be in the temple to meet with God. He didn't have to be in one place or another. And the temple of God is not restricted to one place. And certainly we've experienced that all together this morning as we've gathered. And I just this is um, touched upon something the Holy Spirit's been stirring me in. And I believe it really neatly captures something God is intending to and is refreshing his church in right now. Generally, all believers um, would, would say this is true. The church is not a building or um, or perhaps a more complete statement that the church is not a building made out of bricks and mortar. Um, but, you know, God has always intended for us to go beyond adopting that as a correct position, as something to believe that's right, um, to embracing it as an express reality, as a lived out reality. And that's the same with any truth he reveals. Um, I once heard uh, Kerry Jones, an apostle to this church and many others, and, and a dear friend of ours, um, say, Do you know, the word must become flesh. What he says is not to return to him void, but will accomplish that for which it was sent. So any truth that he reveals or anything he has spoken is intended not just to be believed as a right thing to believe, but to be lived out. And, you know, at this point in time, at this time, we, we are primed, um, perhaps more so than any other, to to embrace this truth about the church not being a building as an express reality, because the reality is that um, for many of us for a long time, it has either been either been um, impermissible or impractical to meet in any building anyway. And uh, as such, we've had to discover other ways and means of gathering together. And this and it may be this may be true. I, I'm not saying it always is in every situation, but the degree to which some of us may have found that more unpleasant or uncomfortable than others, maybe the degree to which we have or have not embraced the reality that the church is the people of God. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, doesn't he, when talking about the mystery in Christ of God, having made his salvation available to all people to the Gentiles as well as the Jews, not just those who are the original recipients of the of the covenants of promise in the Old Testament. 
but that God's intention was and is that his salvation should come to all through all people through his son, Jesus Christ. He says there, doesn't he? He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens of God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him. The whole building, not one of bricks and mortar, but the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He addresses them. You, you too. That's the people he is writing to in Ephesus are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In 1 Peter 2, 5, Peter picks up that same revelation saying, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The psalmist was indeed discovering the truth you and I now live in, or at least are intended to live in. The temple of God is not restricted to one place. We don't have to be in the temple to meet with God, for he abides in us. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying God says, therefore, get rid of all your buildings. It's of course not right. <laughs> as we as we gather together, uh, 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 even if we have buildings, it's, it's that being careful how we build. Um, for those who not only hold this is true, but have embraced it as an express uh, reality to whatever extent, there's even yet been a challenge with our present circumstances because the question or cry may have come, well, how can we be built together if we can't be together, how can we be built together if we can't be together or at least not in person in the same way that we, we, we could? And some of us have found uh, Zoom, Microsoft Teams or other remote means of, of gathering, which have probably overall more helped than hindered the church continuing to function either by now a bit tiresome. And I've been guilty of that on occasion um, or, or since um, such remote means of communication probably feature heavily for most of us in working or other areas of life. Some of us just might find that at this time just a bit overkill, and that is perfectly understandable. But as seemingly reduced as all our lives have become, I think it's almost at all times been the case, not at all times, but almost all times been the case. It's been permissible for one person to meet with one other from another household for daily exercise. Uh, so two people down to two. And therein lies at least one of the graces of God to us during not only during this time, but one of the ways in which I believe he's refreshing the church in that truth that I mentioned at the outset. Um, it's something we all believe in. The church is not a building, but it is the people of God uh, to whatever extent we've expressed that as a reality so far. And why is it that apparent and to be clear, proper and necessary restraint of man is actually the grace of God to us when our in-person gatherings are reduced to that size. And I believe it's because at least two is the necessary material for increase and fruitfulness. At least two is the necessary material for increase and fruitfulness. It was the two, Adam and Eve, that the original mandate for fruitfulness was given in Genesis 1:28: be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. In the beginning of Luke 10, it says, doesn't it, when Jesus had gathered the 72 others, he sent them out two by two 
ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go to, to, to reap a harvest, to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And of course, as John uh, read out for us right at the outset there with the scripture on the video, for where two or three gather in my name, two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. I am there. This shows us that the perception that we can't be together and therefore can't be built together at this time to become the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit is just that. It's not the reality. We may not presently be able to gather in the places and in the ways we once did. And don't get me wrong, Lord, hasten the day where we all may gather together again to enjoy corporate worship and all of that good stuff. But according to him, even just the two, even if that's what we're down to, gathered in his name is enough. He promises there he is also. It's the song we sang this morning, isn't it? What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, our King. If two or more are gathered in that name, that's enough for his presence. And I believe God says to us, it's not by what means you gather together. It is that gathering together in my name is the means by which I am building you together to become a dwelling in which I live by my spirit. And even if you be reduced in your own eyes to just two, if those two will gather in my name, that is a gathering where I will be present. I believe God says we don't have to be in the temple to meet with God. We don't have to be in one place or another. The temple of God is not restricted to one place. We, those who believe in Jesus Christ, have received the Holy Spirit, are the temple of God. And we are still able to gather together according to his definition of what a gathering is, of course, within the current confines. And whilst we could leave it all to remote gatherings and there's there's a, a certain impartation of gift and strengthening that probably only comes in person. The Apostle Paul in, in Romans 1.11 says, doesn't he, I long to visit you that I may bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Um, we may not be able to step foot in the buildings where we traditionally uh, have moved in gifts of the spirit, like word of knowledge, wisdom, prophetic word, gift of healing, faith, and, and that, that, that's good stuff that comes. But we could, for example, go for a run or a walk with a brother or sister. And in doing so, because we're the people of God and the spirit of God dwells in us, there is opportunity there for impartation of strength uh, that may not otherwise be possible. I went for a walk with uh, someone, someone very close to me uh, this week, and um, we were talking about something that, that, that was on their heart, that there was a desire of theirs. And as we talked, um, you know, we just shared what we believe the wisdom of God to be on it. And, and in the end, you know, we agreed, just like the rest of that scripture says, whenever two or more of you agree on earth, uh, it's already been done for you in heaven. We agreed, you know, this is the, what the wisdom of God is. And then we prayed. And that's how the Holy Spirit sort of helped us uh, along, even as we walked together. And the prophet Amos asks, doesn't he, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And that's a rhetorical question. And the answer is, no, you don't generally accidentally walk together. So, so, so God says, agree to walk together, quite literally. If we disregard the the smaller gathering, and I'm not saying that we do, but if we do, if or if there's a tendency to do that, if we can't see the value, quite literally, in coming alongside a brother or sister, which is something the Holy Spirit recently has brought prophetically to us as a community, 
uh, about uh, at all church worship and prayer via on, on Zoom about coming alongside our brothers and sisters, then we may not be defining and valuing church in the same way he does. If we can't see the value of that smaller gathering of that coming alongside a brother or sister, then we may not be defining and valuing church in the same way he does. And that's not as a condemnation thing. That's just as a sober and healthy check in our own spirits. Do I see and value church in the same way he does? Am I doing so? And I'm just going to just to sort of help us with this. I'm just going to take us to a few stories from the scriptures that shows us it's always been the case that he is present even where it is only the two or three gathered in his name. And particularly if we're struggling to either see the value of that or let's face it and let's be honest and, 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 I, and I experience this on, on more loads of occasions, motivation to do anything about it um, may be a challenge for us at this time. He wants to show us that even in that context of the two or three, he's present and he's present to bring deliverance, he's present in power and he's present to bring revelation and direction. With the two or three gathered in his name, he is present to bring deliverance. He is present in power and he is present to bring revelation and direction. So just on being present to deliver in that context, I'm just going to take us to a first story. It's from Daniel chapter three and it's verses 19 to 30. I will read from it's quite a favorite of mine. I've brought it out a few times when I've spoke um, and it's the fiery furnace. And um, King Nebuchadnezzar has set up the image of gold that Daniel and his friends refused to bow down and worship. And um, he's about to throw them into the fiery furnace where we pick it up in verse uh, 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego um, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors and royal advisers crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was there a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who was sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their own their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their God. And there's just a few things I wanted to pick out of that straight away. They were thrown into the furnace involuntarily. Just like many of us at this time have found ourselves with present and ongoing circumstances, it may feel like we've just been thrown into something, uh, not that we chose to, <laughs> we certainly didn't choose this. And the pressure at times may have felt immense. Dare I say it, too hot to handle for some. And this, but this was in his name. 
It was in his name. They were thrown into the furnace because they would not bow down and worship another who was not God. And they professed their God was able to deliver. It was the three of them. It was the three Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego gathered, not in any temple, but in the furnace, albeit involuntarily so. And Nebuchadnezzar then leapt to his feet in amazement, saying, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods for whenever two or three are gathered in my name. There am I with them. We don't have to be in the temple to meet with God. He says you could be in the furnace and I will still show even as the psalmist cries out in Psalm 139, for where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? You may have left the building, says God, but he has not left you and he has already sworn he will never do so, nor forsake you. The three were delivered, unsinged. In verse uh, 26, it says that. And that, of course, prophesies of the church that God is now building and intending to build in the earth. Paul picks that up in 1 Corinthians 3 in the context of church planting again, picking this idea up of us being a building, stating by the grace God has given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. Here in Daniel, the three were tested by fire and more than survived, not even singed. He walked amongst them. He is the foundation. What a powerful name it is indeed, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the three were gathered in that name. The foundation of Jesus Christ will more than amply support even just the two, if that's where we're at, or the three gathered together. And their deliverance was a witness to the nations. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar goes on to say that all nations throughout the earth shall worship and serve the Lord their God. And they ended up promoted. He is present in power. He is present in power. That's the next one I was going to bring us on to. If I just take us to Acts chapter three, verses one to nine. He says uh, it says this. It's where Peter and John were going to the temple. Um, it says this one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. <clears throat> Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. It was just the two, Peter and John, 
They were on their way to the temple. They'd not yet made it into the building. But so far as God was concerned, the church was gathered. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you. It was not just that Peter did not have any money in that moment. What did Paul say? If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. They weren't building with any other material than the two or three gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. And that was enough. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, in that name, walk. Whenever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is with them. They were not heading to church in the truest sense of that word. The church was he heading into the building, then the temple. We don't have to be in the temple to meet with God. We don't have to be in one place or another. The temple of God is not restricted to one place. He is present to bring revelation and direction. This is the last story before I close, and it's from Luke uh, 24, verses 13 to 35. It's uh, after Jesus has been crucified. Um, and these two disciples are on their way um, to a village called Emmaus from Jerusalem. And it says this. Now, that same day, the two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, came up alongside them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them. What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. It was the two walking together. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them or alongside them, if you will. For whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them.
That's what he said in that scripture at the outset that John read for us. They were despondent for different reasons, of course, but right now many may well be feeling some despondency. And if there's anything that might make us value this in the way God does, get up and get out there at this time with a brother or a sister, it's got to be this. At the beginning of their walk, they had only ever known Jesus one way. According to them in the story, he was a crucified prophet. And by the end, their eyes having been opened, they met the risen Christ. He was present and he was present to bring revelation. He was present with just the two to bring revelation. Once they saw him, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, the place they had been walking away from. He brought about a change of direction. Encountering the risen Christ will always bring about a repentance from one way to another. Just before I close, a recent story of this, you know, from, from my own life, um, just in terms of just the two. And even and, and this is a story of not actually physically gathering with somebody. A friend of mine uh, messaged me in recent days um, and sort of just shared something that was bothering them. Um, and uh, they just confessed something that, that, that made them feel not very good. And um, in response to that, um, I first I was able because they told me I was able to say, well, you were right for, for saying it in the first place. You're right to, to confess it. Um, but then, you know, I just encouraged them with some some truth uh, from God's word. But also then God just dropped this into my spirit. He said, you know what? God wants you to know you're going to sleep well tonight. And this friend's response was, um, I, I'm amazed you said that because um, I had already thought to myself, I'm not going to sleep tonight. And then in the morning, I checked with this friend and had slept like a baby. Um, and that wasn't in a building. It wasn't gathered in the traditional sense. It wasn't actually even out for a walk, which is what I've been emphasizing. But it was two talking with one another who were filled with the Holy Spirit. Confession came. God supplied it and he provided an answer. Um, and I believe that's why he wants us to see the, the benefit in this. So just to just to sum up, um, if we want to be built together, we've got to be those who gather together. But more than that, we've got to be those who gather together in his name. And even as gatherings get larger and when the restrictions loosen and we can we can all go back and, and enjoy corporate worship together, which is a great, great thing. I'm not at all taking away from any of that. We should never lose sight of the essential element, the raw material, the two or three gathered in his name is enough for his presence. I believe God says again, it is not by what means you gather together. It is that gathering together in my name is the means by which I am building you together to become a dwelling in which I live by my spirit. And even if you be reduced in your own eyes, you might say to two, if two will gather in my name, that is a gathering where I'll be present. So I'd just like to leave you with an encouragement to get out there this week with a brother or sister. There's not just some benefit, benefit in it, it is according to his pattern. And as you do so in his name, you can expect him to be present and not only present, but present to deliver, present in power, present to bring revelation and direction. Hebrews says, doesn't it? Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now is a time for all the more, not less. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.